You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey there, friends. This is Brooke McLaughlin, co-founder of Million Praying Moms. And in today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different, something a little special. We've never had the opportunity to do something like this before. So truly, we hope you love it. As you may know, my newest book, Praying Mom, Making Prayer the First and Best Response to Motherhood, released a few short months ago. It's a book designed to help moms overcome the challenges that keep them from having the vibrant prayer life God offers, the kind that changes you and has the potential to impact your family for generations. The response to Praying Mom has been so good, and I'm really thankful for each and every one of you who have taken a leap of faith with me and purchased a copy of your own. I felt from the beginning that the success of Praying Mom would depend on a kind of grassroots effort, if you will. Moms like you who read it, had a genuine experience with it, and then felt compelled to share it with other moms who need to become Praying Moms too. And that's exactly what's happened so far. For those of you who've been a part of it, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those who haven't, you're in for a special treat today. My publisher, Bethany House, has given me permission to pick one chapter to read to you here on the podcast. I took a vote on social media, and while every chapter was voted for, chapter three, entitled, I'm Exhausted from Trying to Trust God, got the most votes. I think it's possibly because we can all relate to times when we felt like God was asking just a little bit more of us than we were comfortable with giving. Or maybe it's because the story that opens and closes this chapter is so deeply personal to me. Whatever the reason, I hope you enjoy it now. And of course, if you haven't already purchased your copy of Praying Mom, please do. You can get it anywhere books are sold. Praying Mom, Chapter 3. I'm exhausted from trying to trust God. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Nestled in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is the story of a woman who fought one single physical issue for over 12 years. And not just any issue, but one that isolated her from every good part of her community and faith experience. One that made her unclean to all her friends and family. We call her the woman with the issue of blood, and her story starts out like this. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Mark 5, 25 through 26. 12 years, every dime gone, wasted on treatments that were humiliating and pointless, only getting worse and worse as time went by. I can't imagine her pain. With each new doctor's visit, hope loomed. Maybe this would be the time, the person, the treatment that could make her pain and humiliation go away. And then, time after time, the crushing news that failure and disappointment would once again rule her life. I wonder if there was a point during those 12 years when she thought to herself, enough, 
I just can't do this anymore. I can't keep fighting this fight only to be knocked down over and over. I know something of that pain. Not in the same way, of course, but I've been through an incredibly trying season of life, about seven years long, where it seemed like heartache after heartache kept me from getting sure footing. During that season, we lost both of my uncles, my aunt, two grandparents, a friend in the Virginia Tech shootings, and at the end of it all, a baby to miscarriage. Seven people in seven years. I look back now and think I might have just walked through those years in a bit of a haze. Had it not been for God's word and my amazing rock of a husband, I'm not sure how I would have turned out. How do we keep praying, keep trusting God when we're exhausted from trying for so long? Allow me to introduce you to my dear friend, Stacey Thacker, whose prayer story will help give you the strength you need to keep going. Stacy's story. I made my way to the only room where I knew I could find refuge in the middle of the chaos all around me. Shutting the bathroom door and turning the lock into place, I leaned against the wall and slid down to the floor, my emotions matching my position. Low, rock bottom, desperate. This small room, a prayer closet for me lately, had become my battlefield. The war going on inside my heart, which I doubt anyone suspected, was, is, truthfully, real and threatening. A few tears escaped my eyes before I wiped them away and went even lower. Face down on the bathroom floor is just about as low as you can go. What brought me here and rocked my belief wasn't just one hard thing. It was walking through one hard thing, but having another one show up right on its heels. The first one knocked me for a loop because it meant saying goodbye to my dad. He passed away rather suddenly after a long battle with cancer. It took a year or so of heavy grieving, but after a while, I was able to get back up, take God's word as my banner, and keep going. The second hard thing came about a year later and was even more devastating. Honestly, I didn't think that was possible, but it was because this time it involved the health of one of my girls. I remember sitting in the hospital after a long night with her in the ER, wrestling hard with God and thinking, really? This is just too much. I can't do this right now. Still, having learned a few things that first hard time, I reached for the word and found my footing. It took a little longer this time. But the third thing and the fourth thing, once again, I found myself facing the unknown, this time involving my husband. One night during a business dinner, he had a sudden cardiac arrest that turned every aspect of our lives upside down. What I mean by that is that my husband died for a few minutes. Medical personnel were able to resuscitate him, but we had no idea what damage had been done while no oxygen was being pumped to his brain. Each of these events took place within a three-year period. If I'm being totally honest, I am not made of the right kind of stuff to be able to handle that much hard in that short amount of time. Even though I know where to go for hope and help, I've done it so often before, I'm exhausted from trying to trust God and wondering what it's finally going to take to empty me of me so he can quit allowing hard things in my life. So here I am, face down on the bathroom floor, clinging to the same hope I always have, and questioning whether I'll be able to leave the bathroom floor anytime soon. I kind of doubt it. That's the first part of Stacy's story. We'll come back to the end at the end of the chapter. I had the privilege, and I use the word privilege with great care, of watching Stacy walk through this threadbare season of her life. In fact, when her father passed away suddenly, and later when her husband Mike 
literally died and was brought back to life, I was one of the first people she reached out to. Stacy and I have the kind of relationship where she knows if she needs prayer, I'm going to pray for her and pray I did. As Mike was fighting for his life, before we even knew if he would make it, God led me to create a prayer group for the Thackers on Voxer, a walkie-talkie-like app we often use to communicate with friends in business and ministry. Stacy has been a faithful friend and cheerleader to so many women who give of themselves to help spread the gospel to other women and children, and I knew they would want to be praying for her. So I reached out to everyone who knew Stacy within our ministry circle and asked them to join the prayer group. We ended up with over 30 women, and I knew God would use our prayers to provide for the Thackers somehow. What I wasn't prepared for was how God would use that group in such a powerful way that I think it might forever rank up there as one of the most profound seasons of prayer I've ever experienced. My kids had just started full-time in school, and we were at the beginning of our move back to our hometown. So this mom, who had spent all of her mothering years homeschooling up to that point, found herself with a little bit of time. Most of it I spent working, but when Mike was in the hospital, I was able to devote myself to prayer and fasting for them in a new way. I can't tell you how many mornings during the two to three weeks we actively prayed for the Thacker family that I found myself walking around my house, interceding in worship on their behalf. Our group of mighty prayer warrior women would share songs with each other, and then we would worship together in our own homes using those songs. Some of us spread apart by a distance of thousands of miles. The word to those songs were, to us, our way of battling for the Thacker family in prayer. The words became our anthem, our battle cry. It might seem odd to think of a work-at-home mom walking around her house in her slippers after dropping the kids off at school, waving her hands in the air and singing prayers to God at the top of her lungs. But if you can picture it, that's pretty much what I looked like. And we had no curtains on our windows in the kitchen. I really don't know what the neighbors think of me. If the concept of singing a prayer is new to you, think about the doxology sung in many Christian churches. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. The word doxology simply means a study of praise or a way for the people of God to collectively offer praise to God by speaking or singing truth back to him. Doxologies were prominent in Old Testament times, and Jesus would have heard them chanted or sung as a part of normal everyday Jewish worship. There are, of course, many more doxologies traditional to the Christian faith, some of them quoting scripture word for word, and most of them end with amen or amen and amen. Why? Because we're offering them as a prayer to God. We're saying, in effect, Lord, please let this be. If you think about it this way, singing prayers doesn't seem so weird after all, even if you're doing it in your pajamas. This group of prayer warriors the Lord gathered together read scripture to each other, prayed that scripture together, sang to each other on that crazy Voxer app, taught each other what God was showing us in the scriptures on behalf of the Thackers, and challenged each other to go deeper in prayer, all because we loved our friend dearly and wanted God to do a miracle on her behalf. And he did. I want to stress that we didn't know exactly what the miracle would look like. Our persistent prayer was that God would breathe full life back into Mike Thacker. We wanted him to live. We begged God to heal him so that Stacy could have her husband and their four girls could have their father. 
God chose to answer that specific prayer, but I would still be testifying about the powerful God we serve who used the prayers of his daughters to usher in a miracle, even if that miracle ended in Mike being taken home to be with God. The intent of theology is to lead us to worship. When we study the nature and character of God as revealed in his word, we're invited to respond in the affectionate, obedient discipleship of worship. How can we keep our theology from being mere head knowledge? How do we give our worship roots that will last? By fixing our eyes on God himself, the object of our study and the object of our worship. Fix Your Eyes by Amy Gannett, founder of Tiny Theologians, is an invitation to understand core doctrines of the Christian faith and apply them in our daily worship of God. It walks believers through key theological concepts and shows how each can be lived out in daily life. Available wherever books are sold. Healing comes in more ways than life here on earth. Mike's ultimate healing, and ours, will come on the other side of heaven, and we have to keep that knowledge at the forefront of our minds as we ask God for what we want. It isn't wrong for us to ask God for healing here, but it would have been short-sighted of us to think it might not have been God's plan to offer ultimate healing there. As much as we wanted God to keep Mike here, we realized we are members of a family, and it's not just the Thackers God is engineering for. We are part of a flock, and God has the entire flock in mind. We must guard against thinking that just because God doesn't answer our prayers immediately or the way we want him to, he doesn't care. It's just that he cares about everything, all of his flock. His promise to do what is best for us is tied inextricably to what is best for the ushering in of his kingdom. More on that later. One Saturday evening, when things looked most grim for Mike, Stacy boxed me individually and said the doctors had done an MRI and found little to no brain activity for Mike. She was devastated and asked me to keep praying. I prayed all night long. Into the wee hours of the morning, God woke me from sleep to keep praying. The next morning, I got up to go to church with my family. I shared what was going on with our Sunday school class, who prayed for God to heal Mike and provide for Stacy, and then went on with the rest of class in the worship service. After church that day, we decided to stay for a potluck, and when I got to the basement of the church, I realized I had a new message from Stacy. I stepped outside to listen as quickly as possible and was blown away as she told me that the doctors had done another MRI that morning and Mike had brain activity. After that point, things began to turn around rapidly for Mike. And today he is a walking, talking, breathing example of a miracle of God. He went from death to life. And I believe God used the desperate prayers of about 30 women to usher in the beginning steps of his healing. The whole story, at least my side of it, sounds amazing, right? It kind of makes you want to jump up and down and yell, yay, God. And yeah, we did. Mike truly is a miracle, and I truly do feel like God used our prayers as a part of his plan to do it. My story sounds great, but Stacy's experience of this story was dramatically different. Even though her community surrounded her, and even though God answered our prayers for Mike to be healed and live, she's still the one who had to live it out, and she continues to live it out in a way I never will. In her book, Threadbare Prayer, She tells the story of even more hard things that happened in the middle of this very, very hard thing. On this particular day, I was torn in two. 
I needed to be with my husband, but also at a different hospital in town with our 10-year-old daughter. She had a treatment scheduled that day. Her illness had reared its ugly head in the days before her daddy landed in his own hospital bed. We could not postpone, and I needed to be the one to take her. And so I stretched thin and took her. The business of doing life can be exhausting, and there's more to the story that we won't tell here. Even the post-miracle healing process can require everything we have. Let's go back to our woman with the issue of blood. The rest of her story, beginning in verse 27, goes like this. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her afflictions. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Mark 5, 27 through 34. I honestly don't know why God made this poor woman wait 12 years to get her healing. I don't know exactly why God allowed my family to go through so much loss. And I can't explain with much authority why God allowed Stacy's family to suffer the way they have. I know some families, some people, who don't get the healing they've prayed for until they're completely healed in heaven. But I do know this, God wants us to keep praying and trusting him through our hard times, even when we have to ask him for the help to do it. If you ask Stacy, I'm sure she would tell you there were plenty of times of doubt, times when uncertainty crept in and she lost faith, especially when she thought she had given all she had and God asked for more. We all lose faith sometimes, even if it's short-lived, but the ones who will keep believing, keep praying, keep pressing forward, and keep asking God to help them when they can't do life alone are the ones who leave the biggest impact on this world for Christ. When our lives get hard, when it feels like we can't possibly keep trusting God, even for one more minute, because we are totally and completely worn out from the exhaustion of it, we can ask God to give us what we need to do it again. When our strength runs out, and even before, his strength is made perfect. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. As Christians, we are tasked with comforting others with the comfort we've been given. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 4. And friends, the world is watching to see if we'll share. I tell my boys all the time that their friends are watching them to see if the God they say they serve is worth serving, especially in the hard things. I remind myself of this often when I'm around my own non-believing friends. When life is difficult, the world expects us to walk away, give up on the God we say is big enough to handle it all. But this is the time when we must not walk away. Instead, we can choose to sit down and wait for God to show up for us. He will, because it's his name at stake in our lives, not our own. My friend, Gina Smith, whom you'll hear from later on in this book, messaged me the other day and said, I was reading Psalm 23 yesterday and something stood out to me that I don't think I've ever seen before. When I read verse three, he refreshes and restores my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The words that stood out were, 
for his name's sake. I realized that I want to be refreshed and restored and led because I'm tired. I'm weary. I want to know what to do next. I want him to do it for my sake. This reminded me that he does refresh and restore and lead, but it's for his name's sake, not for my comfort. Yes, it does benefit me. I do get refreshed, but it is ultimately so I can continue being used for his purposes and his glory. This is the best kind of hope we could possibly wish for. There's nothing God is more dedicated to than glorifying his own name. We can bet our lives on the fact that God will do whatever it takes to make his name known. And in the process, we get to benefit. He comforts us, refreshes us, and restores us so that we can be used again by him to lead others to him. God won't leave us without relief because he needs us to be restored in order to use us to further his kingdom. What good news. In Mark 9, we see the story of a father bringing his young son to Jesus. The disciples couldn't heal him from the spirit that made him have seizures and foam at the mouth. So when he asked Jesus if he could do anything, Jesus replied, if I can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. That's Mark 9, 23 through 24. I do believe, help my unbelief. That's the prayer of a hurting Christian, the one who is holding on by a thread, who dares to look up one more time in faith and believe that God is working, even in the hard things. The world is watching us, friends. Lord, help our unbelief so that the world would be drawn to you. Now, let's hear the rest of Stacy's story. One piece of truth that has given me hope throughout every hard trial and kept me tethered to God when I was too exhausted to keep going, Jesus is praying for me. I'm sure his prayers are a good deal better than my coming up with any words that make sense from the bathroom floor. The ache as I reached for him in those dark days was deeper and wider than I ever would have imagined it could be back when that first hard thing hit my heart. Still, I know there is power in declaring truth over my weary heart, even when I can't, even when I feel I can't. So I vocalized my belief and affirmed to my own heart that God is good, that he is near, and that he has plans for me. I also recognized that all these hard things are making me like his son. God is chipping away at the pieces of my life that don't belong. I've been reminded recently that God often asks us to trust him in the midst of our impossible places because he can. Ask us and be trusted, that is. In 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16, there's a story of a widow who was down to her last bit of meal and oil. She's collecting sticks to make one last loaf of bread for her son, as any mother would do, and believes this will be their last supper. God sends Elijah the prophet to her in that very moment, and he asks her for a drink of water and a bit of bread. I don't have any bread. I'm starving, she responds. Elijah says, bring me your last loaf. Have faith. You will not run out in this impossible place. In the middle of her fledgling faith, God asks for even more. What kind of God asks a widow for her last bit of bread? The one who rains down bread from heaven the one who is the bread of life, the one who is able to keep a jar of flour from ever reaching empty. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. 
The flour jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. 1 Kings 17, 15 through 16. Still sitting on my bathroom floor, I find the cure for my unbelief in the one who finds us in our hard and impossible places, gathers us up, prays for us, asks us to trust one more time, and is able to sustain us without bread if need be. I remember that every time I have met him here in this lowest place, he has never failed to answer my cry for help. My threadbare prayer as I get back up, wash my hands, and open the door is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And he does. Thank you so much for listening to this reading of chapter three of Praying Mom, my newest book. If you need help overcoming the obstacles and challenges that are keeping you from making prayer your first and best response to motherhood, purchase a copy anywhere books are sold or find a link in our show notes at www.millionprayingmoms.com. We'll see you later. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. You can connect with other praying moms by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or in the Million Praying Moms community at millionprayingmoms.com, where you'll find links and show notes for each podcast episode. And remember, with each new episode, we offer five free scripture-based prayers based on that show's topic. Simply visit www.millionprayingmoms.com and sign up to get yours sent to your inbox right away. Till next time. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.